This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 130 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan and I'm joined today by Brady and David. At a belated time in your podcast feeds this week, we're going to look at the coaching moves Jonas Hayes has made as his first staff at Georgia State is officially announced. We'll look at some transfer comings and goings in the program also before looking at another tough week for Georgia State baseball. But first, let's talk about basketball. Jonas Hayes has his full complement of assistant coaches as officially announced by Georgia State earlier in the week. Jonas's brother and incumbent assistant, Jarvis Hayes, was already confirmed as a holdover from Coach Lanier's staff, and Alan Payne is joining the staff from Elon. Additionally, two staff are following Jonas from Xavier as Danny Peters will be the third assistant coach and Chase Vaudrin will be the director of basketball operations. So, gentlemen, finally we have uh, Coach Jonas Hayes' first staff. What are our thoughts? So I want to preface my initial thing by saying I don't actually know the actual ages of all of the coaches involved. But, you know, just my immediate thought was it feels like a really young staff. And... You know, I think we were all kind of expecting maybe that associate head coach type hire or someone who's been a head coach. And, you know, that's not the case. And so I think it was just a, a semblance of guys that Jonas trusts, namely, of course, the person he is related to, Jarvis Hayes. And then the other two guys, you know, I don't know. I think Alan Payne spent a year at Xavier as a GA earlier in the decade. And obviously, Danny Peters came directly from there, and he stayed on the staff with him through that NIT run for Xavier. And so I think the number one thing obviously seems to be guys he trusts, guys he knows. And it was interesting that there wasn't any other Atlanta guys because neither Payne nor Peters have, you know, they've got recruiting established, uh, you know, they're, they're established recruiters, but they don't specifically, it wasn't like, I've got to go get Georgia, I've got to get Atlanta, like everyone has to has, have this implicit connection to Atlanta. He's just got things can be good recruiters and that him and Jarvis's gravitas in the state will stand up as its own. But uh, yeah, I I think, you know, Danny Peters was at Xavier and then before that he had time at Arizona. And so Georgia State having guys with that kind of pedigree coming in, the recruiting prowess that he's had at those schools, you know, obviously there's a little bit of a, you know, Arizona has had recruiting stuff come up. Sean Miller had to, is probably going to be suspended for a couple of games as a new head coach of Xavier because of it. But, you know, that doesn't negate that they have been recruiting really well and they kind of built a really good program there. And I think I saw somewhere that Peters was, explicitly stated from Zeke Naji is the reason that he ended up at Arizona. And that's a guy who went to the NBA from Arizona. So that's a, in the very recent past that he's been recruiting really big players to big schools. And that kind of matches what, with what some of the early offers we've seen from Jonas, where he's going after guys that are five stars in some of these uh, coming up recruiting classes to say like, yeah, this is the, the bar we're setting for the guys we're bringing on staff that are going to recruit these guys. And so, you know, ultimately I think it's an exciting group of guys interested to see how all of it, all, how all of it shakes out. Yeah. I'll echo your sentiments about the staff kind of being uh, a little bit on the younger side, um, which, you know, that is definitely something that we didn't expect. I didn't expect that, but like you mentioned, like the experience is there, you know, and, 
obviously not every coach is going to have, you know, the best of times everywhere, but hopefully that, you know, those experiences from, you know, this group that can bring some of that over to Georgia state. And, you know, like it, I don't know, it's, it's weird to sit here and talk about a coaching staff with experience from like in Arizona coming to Georgia state, you know, and it not being a, a young and upcoming head coach, you know, like we're talking about a guy who's going to be sitting on the bench. So clearly, you know, Coach Hayes had a good group of guys in his head and, you know, guys that wanted to come to Atlanta and kind of continue to build what's been going on here at Georgia State. You know, maybe staff roles are getting fleshed out or whatever. It wasn't in the official announcement, but it was interesting that all of their their titles was assistant head coach and there wasn't an associate head coach, which is kind of thought of like the lieutenant and Maybe it just kind of it's implied that that's going to be Jarvis because they're brothers and all. Um, I just I, I'm looking out to see if anything changes there, just because it would be interesting to kind of see if there isn't one. Just because you know the the one thing you said coming in maybe is you know it's his first time being a head coach and so having that person that he turns to that's had the head coaching experience and so not even in this staff with the guy that he, the guys that he's assembled is that there. And so I don't know that that means much of anything. I mean, it's just a title anyway, but I did think it was interesting that there wasn't that in name or in what appears to be, you know, it's, it's not, there's not anyone that stands out as that guy. Like, Oh yeah, I was bringing that guy in who's been the head coach before. And, you know, I, I guess I'm just mentioned that apropos of nothing, just cause I'm, you know, at this stage you're reading into every little press release and reading every line and looking at all the titles and everything. but. That was just something that I noticed. And, you know, maybe there will be like another, I don't believe that they're done hiring. I think that the, the three assistant coaches are obviously set, but from everything I've understood, there's going to be a more of a building out of the staff with kind of roles that Georgia state hasn't had filled, you know, something like a recruiting personnel guy. I don't, you know, the titles obviously would come as the hires come, but that's my understanding. And that would be, a step for Georgia state they haven't had where they're having specific staff like that. And so maybe in the same vein, there'll be like a special assistant to the head coach. That's a guy who's been a, a previous head coach at the division one level. And so you'll kind of fill that in there, but you know, between that and whatever might be coming with additional hires, certainly it's an exciting place to be where you're talking about Georgia state and Jonas feeling comfortable to build out a bigger staff and, fill more specialized roles. You know, that's the type of stuff that's a given at the programs that Georgia state really wants to emulate in the basketball scene. And so we'll see how that plays out. You know, there's still the summer for all of that to work its way in, into the flow. And so we'll, I'm certainly, I, you know, the staff is full, so to speak, you know, the coaching staff, but might not be everyone that's in yet. And so waiting to see what happens there. All right, so in additional news for basketball, we do have a transfer inbound to the Panthers program, Jermaine Mann from Vanderbilt. Mann is another Georgia kid coming home. As an alum of Stars Mill and Dutchtown High Schools, both south of Atlanta, he's six foot six and averaged 4.6 points per game and 3.5 rebounds in 27 games off the bench for the Commodores in his only season in Nashville. He was previously at Gardner-Webb for a year. Given that this is his second transfer, his eligibility to play this upcoming season is still up in the air. More on that to come as we get closer to the season. So, uh, gentlemen, what are our thoughts on Mann and what he might bring to the Panthers when he gets out of his eligibility? Yeah, I wasn't sure whether he could classify it. I mean, this is literally your neck of the woods, Jordan, but if Metro Atlanta... Quite, li- quite literally, my neck Stars of the woods, yes. Town, 
So is it, would you call it Metro Atlanta? Is, is Georgia just the safe description? Um, Fayette County and Henry are, County are both considered part of the Metro Atlanta statistical area. So yes, I would consider that to be Metro Atlanta. Well, you know, point of which of saying it's another Metro Atlanta, at least adjacent, but you know, a, a Metro Atlanta kid coming home. And, and I think that the thing that stands out is that this has been the message that Jonas Hayes had been preaching that he wants Atlanta to be this destination for guys that played here in high school. And already you've got three guys transferring in who went to prep in Atlanta, went elsewhere for the first couple of years, of their collegiate career, and now they're coming home. And so if you were looking for the immediate payoff of that philosophy, you've gotten it with three transfers, all of whom, if you know he gets his eligibility, could be in the starting lineup in the first game when they play Georgia Tech in the new Convocation Center. Uh, I guess I don't really know um, how to say this other than it seems like the rules just kind of get fudged every time there's a reason we can fudge them. And I think it's a good thing if a guy like Jay can just play. Like <clears throat> The rules and the portal have given the opportunity for guys to play in new schools and getting chances. and. I, I say fudge like I guess maybe there's negative commentation, but I think it's a, a good thing that guys just kind of get to play and don't have mandatory sitting out periods. And so I don't know what the reason would be that they would grant it. It's kind of the rule that after your first one, you do have to sit. But I await whatever the wording is that probably leads out where the NCAA is like, yeah, that's fine. You can play. And, you know, when he does play, his numbers, he came for Vandy, uh, and they don't jump off the page from what he was doing this past year. Uh, he kind of in the same vein as Dewan Odom just doesn't take threes, and he was two of fifteen of them on them. So I'm not sure. Offensively, we don't have a great snapshot of what he's going to offer from that, but he's going to be kind of a rangy wing. He's six 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 seven, and so I think we're going to see a lot on the defensive end, especially, and he can maybe slot in at the three maybe play a small four defensively for this team. And so I think there's the most intrigue, I would say, of the three trans Intrigue being the word for just not knowing exactly what you're getting, whereas I think the other two, you kind of know what you're going to get with Odom being the point guard type and Tucker being a shooter. And so there, I don't really know where to adequately put the expectations for Jermaine, but I'm intrigued and I... I'm ready to see how he fits into this team, possibly in the starting five if he's cleared to play. Yeah, I'm intrigued as well. There's really good size here, you know, 6'6", 230. Like, we're not talking about a small person. Um, and, I, you know, I know when the Coach Hayes and, like, the coach before him, Coach Lanier, mentioned size, I think we and people had envisioned they were talking about height. But a six six guard who's two thirty, like that, you know, that, that's a sturdy, sturdy young man there, um, and that helps you in a lot of ways. It helps you if he's driving at the rim, you know, getting guys in foul trouble. If he's, you know, boxing out for rebounds. If you're playing him in a smaller lineup, like Brady said, you know, you're not just punting on the rebounding battle if you got some big man in trouble. So, you know, I think that is an area where you could kind of see some projectability for man. You know, he is listed as a guard, but, you know, even when he was at Garner Webb, like, you know, he was grabbing five boards a game, you know, like that's, that's not nothing, you know, and I, I think 
in the Sun Belt, especially with where guys are, and especially on a Georgia State team, if he's playing this year, there's going to be ample opportunity for him to play in that three to four role. So, you know, those points and rebound numbers are probably going to be really important for him. You know, he's not necessarily a shooter right now. We could probably say that, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have a jumper. And, you know, not everybody on your team needs to shoot so, but there's there's definitely some projection here. And I think... I I really like the transfers that I've been seeing. I'm a little curious as to how the whole, you know, ingredient list is going to fit for the 2022-2023 team. But I think the bones of a good team are here, like I've said before. Yeah, and I guess the one thing I would say offensively with Mann is he was over 50% on twos in both of his years at Gardner-Webb. It was around the same each year. It was 54.1% on twos his freshman year at Gardner-Webb. And then last year at Bandy, who was almost 55% from twos and really, you know, small sample size, barely over a hundred attempts for Gardner Webb. And then just 71 attempts from two last year for Vandy, but efficient. And I think that's a trend we've seen with the guys that they brought in, you know, Odom also was efficient from two. And I I singled that out when we talked about him and, you know, Tucker almost 40% from three. And so the one thing offensively that, we're still not really sure what the reason was, but offensive efficiency was not Georgia State's fort uh, this past season. All the guards are shooting around 40% on twos, which was way lower than they had gotten. So I think the one thing you can say, and this is another move that would trend towards that, is that those numbers should jump back up. And you know we'll see where the shooting percentages lie when all is said and done. But you know, on paper what he does offer offensively, it seems like he's not going to force shots. He's not going to take too many. They're going to go in at least 50% of the time. And that'll kind of get things back on track for Georgia state offensively. I mean, if you're having most of your guys, at least two of your starters making over 50% of their shots inside. And I know seeing guys miss shot at the layout, seeing guys miss layups is probably one of the most frustrating basketball things you can do some of the bystander because especially there were some some bunnies that Georgia State left on the court this past year. And so if that was some? if that was you, if you're at home frustrating some some of the missed layups, uh another guy that projects to improve on those numbers. And so without putting any real expectation on what he's gonna be as an offensive player, it seems like he's just he make he's gonna make the shot take. And that's really the main thing you can ask of guys, especially if they aren't going to be the primary option. It's just when they are going to call their own number, they're going to take smart shots and make a lot of them. And of course the transfer portal giveth the transfer portal taketh away a uh, word came from Jalen Thomas that he's committed to Butler after he'd previously left Georgia state via the transfer portal. And it's also with a heavy heart that favorite of the podcast Chanahal Ma has also entered the portal and left the program after one season. So uh, good news for Jalen as he moves on to the next phase of his career. We obviously wish him the best and we will miss uh, Money Ma as the Panther fans came to know him as well. Gentlemen, what are your thoughts? Is it time for a moment of silence? Yes, it absolutely is. Um, yeah, we could start you know, the, the order that Jordan laid that out in and just say, I'm really happy for Jalen getting to go to Butler. You know, I didn't think... He was going to drop off and like I didn't I thought he was going to land at a division one. I didn't know exactly who's going to be 
talking to, but he upgraded. You know, you can say that fairly. I mean, Georgia State has made the tournament more recently than Butler. I think they've made the tournament two times more recently than Butler, but they hired Thad Mata, and that's a hire that a lot of people like. The thing with Thad Mata was not if he was a good coach. It was if he was ever going to sign up to the grind of coaching again because he had left it because of some injury stuff. And he's back. It's a place that he had coached before, and Butler's in the Big East, and so they can put together solid seasons and get to the NCAA tournament as an at-large. And so Jalen could easily be a part of that. I think, you know, as what we saw with him do these past three seasons, the shot blocking is enticing. And when he is in his rhythm offensively, you know, he's the guy that can be pushing double digits every game with his, you know, his jumper and as he gets his layup game and his hook game going. And so I, I, I never really know how to handicap guys that I've watched as far as like other schools being interested, especially now that the portal, it's something you have to consider every year because there's a chance someone's going to be leaving. But I felt pretty good that he was going to land somewhere good when he chose to leave. And so it's nice to see that that is the case. And, you know, hopefully when we're talking about Georgia state making the tournament for the second straight year next season, we'll be looking to see if a Butler ends up in the same bracket in the same region as Georgia state. Yeah, you know, it's bittersweet because, you know, you're happy for a guy kind of improving his situation and, you know, player agency and all that. But, man, Jalen Thomas would have looked really good in that new convocation center. And, you know, especially with some of the transfers out of the Sun Belt, really had a shot at being, you know, one of the best players in the Sun Belt. But, you know, I'm hoping that he can start for Butler. I'm hoping that, you know, he is a key cog in that team, you know, kind of returning to relevancy in the Big East. And, you know, you mentioned some coaching changes and things like that. But, you know, especially with the Jay Wright news, like that conference is I don't know what to think of that conference right now. So, you know, hopefully Jalen is out here leading this Big East upset or wherever Butler is projected before, you know, we're we're talking about a one, two seed line Butler next year with Jalen Thomas being the key cog. And then, you know, Ma, I, I, it's probably just more of just what the image of what we built up and we were really hype about what he was going to be. But if we can be realistic, he was a bit of a project um, and he was a project that coach Anir brought in. And so when this coaching change happened, I guess it was always kind of a possibility. I, I can't say that I was shocked. I just think because the, it had gone on up until, you know, the deadline is at the end of this weekend for guys declaring for the portal. And so, we was right at the end of the buzzer, so to speak. And it seemed like if those type of conversations were happening, it would have been like when Jalen decided to leave or, you know, Nelson had done that obviously back in March. So I, I was taken aback in the moment just because I was bummed because I was really excited to see him two, three years down the line shooting 50% from three. Uh, but I'll be interested to see where he lands. Um, I still think that he's got a few just because that jump shot's going to get him into a rotation somewhere and he's going to continue to get his feet, especially the defensive side of the ball. But what it means is there's now two scholarships available for Jonas still to use. Um, Especially with Jalen leaving, I still think you need a big that's got division one experience. And so now that you have two scholarships, I would again be kind of shocked if, 
we don't talk about another transfer, possibly another transfer who played in Atlanta somewhere uh, in high school and uh, come in and maybe, because right now, you know, Joe Jones still on the roster, but as of that, you know, the, he would be quote unquote, like the starting center. And we don't really know where he is at, what he's going to be playing at. And so you're either going to maybe having a freshman come in and start at the five, or there's someone that you're still going to go need to get, because that's the one spot that's still right now. I think you're really looking for more depth, more experience, uh, because right now I think, looking at the way the roster is currently set up with guys that are here you still need something there and this that's what this extra scholarship can maybe be there for it's the hope you know i i echo your ma sentiments you know you definitely can see there is a talented college basketball player in there you know i think it's just about the right opportunity and the right fit for him um you know it sucks that it wasn't Georgia State, but also, you know, if he lands on his feet somewhere and becomes a stud, that wouldn't shock me. Um, but yeah, I think also, I think that that those one of those last two scholarships should go to a big. And I think it doesn't concern me that it hasn't gone to a big, but I think the roster construction up until this point has been more or less perfect. Um, I think there's a lot of guys that can do different things and play different roles for you. Um, but that last spot just kind of needs to go to somebody who can just be a dominant force on the inside. And, you know, whether that's a guy who is here taking a step forward or you get somebody from the outside, you know, you just really need to have that power four or five who can just kind of take over things on the block when they need to. Yeah. And, you know, again, I, we're kind of just waiting out to see how the rotation shake out as, you know, the season gets closer, but definitely not counting out the guys that are still there. You know, we saw a lot from guys like Jamal Kleiss. Caleb Scott was really good in the tournament against Gonzaga getting forced into action. And so I'm not taking anything away from the guys that have been there. You know, Jaheim, do you think the sky's the limit for some belt big for him? Uh, he had an encouraging freshman year, but, just on a literal size basis, I think you want someone that's in the range of like six nine, six ten, whatever. Whether it's height at the expense of athleticism, or whether just trying to get someone who's maybe smaller in the vein of like what Coach Hunter tried to do, bring in bigs that were more athletic, or if he's saying, you know, I want to go get the guy who's six eleven, seven foot, but is also athletic, and you know, I think we'd all we'd all be for that as well. But interested to see. I, that's the one thing uh, more than maybe just like what the production is that you need a five. I'm interested to see who Jonas is going to start targeting in the front court because we haven't really seen that yet because it's been a lot of guards that he's brought in in the transfer portal. And so, you know, we got an immediate indication from coach the when he came in, when he brought in Joe and Jalen, his first recruiting class, the, the, you know, that, direction he wanted to go and that's what he was looking for and so i think it'll be more of the same but until we're talking about new panthers i'm that's the thing i'm gonna be curious is just what exactly he's looking for in getting his front court here and putting his front court stamp on georgia state all right so let's go ahead and move on to baseball for whom the slide continues as Louisiana came into Atlanta this past weekend and swept the Panthers on the diamond, and bad became worse as GSU took a hefty 16-1 loss at the hands of Georgia and Athens on Tuesday night to make it seven losses in their last eight games. 
They'll look to finally get out of this sour stretch in a three-game set currently underway at Troy. They'll play the Trojans Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then stay in the Yellowhammer State to face Alabama State in Montgomery on Tuesday. So, gentlemen, how about the bustle up, boys? Yeah, I mean, I think we've kind of seen... I don't even want to call it like a wall. I don't want to call it like a ceiling on this team. But like Sunbelt's good baseball cons and the last couple of weeks you've played good Sunbelt baseball teams and they've won them. You know, you lost in the sweep at Statesboro against Georgia Southern. And then this past weekend you were maybe trying to get something back because you've been playing well at home, but Louisiana's good. And you missed an opportunity in the Friday game. It was tied going in the ninth inning. Uh, Louisiana pulls it out 5-4, and then there were some less close losses the rest of the weekend. And, you know, Louisiana's good, and I think maybe the thing that's catching Georgia State out a little bit is just a little bit of that top level of pitching. The the Friday guy that you can just pencil in that know what you're going to get from him. And, you know, I think Trey Horton's done a good job of filling in there, and obviously guys like Ryan Watson and Mason Patel haven't been able to do the starting that maybe you expected because they've been watching innings. Uh, notably, Mason Patel's probable pitcher this weekend against Troy as a starter. And so maybe trending towards getting him in that availability as we hit the end of the season. But I just think that when you're talking about winning a conference like the Sun Belt in baseball, I think you have to have that guy that's your Friday starter that you know can get up and down for five, six, seven innings. Uh, that you can rely on and you know that guy might be on the roster in a year like this where a lot of guys have gotten opportunities might be the chance for someone to take some lumps and get there next year or maybe it's continuing to go out there and recruit as coach Strombell and his coaching staff have been able to do and bring in some really talented guys from Georgia Uh, but we'll see how it goes and I, I still think when you look at this team with the pop they've got it's still not going to be a team wherever they finish in the standings that you're going to want to run into in Montgomery for the conference championship. And I still think that we could see them catch that lightning in the bottle. Like we've seen on some of these weekend series, like against coastal, like against South Alabama, where they just put wins together and that's all it takes just one weekend to do that, win the Sunbelt tournament. But I think we're seeing that maybe they are, at least in that second tier in the Sun Belt. And that's nothing to be ashamed of because the Sun Belt's good. You've got teams like Georgia Southern starting to peak at the right time. Louisiana is doing it as well. And those happen to be the teams you've been playing these past couple of weeks. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. You know, they kind of have run into a buzzsaw of teams. And it sucks because it seems like you want to take that away from their performance earlier in the year. And you can't. You absolutely can't. Like, they looked really good, you know, through the first half-ish of the season. And, you know, Sun Belt is a good baseball conference. There are a lot of good baseball teams in the Sun Belt, and Georgia State has just unfortunately not been able to keep up that potent offense, and they haven't been able to pitch well lately. And, you know, or they'll score some runs, but they like the pitching hasn't been there, or they, you know, the pitching's been there, but the offense can't bail them out, you know, whatever it may be. And, you know, that's just kind of reared its ugly head over the last few stretch. But you're right, like this still is a team that could, you know, make some noise in the conference tournament. And, you know, the season isn't over. You know, we still have today's April 29th at the time of recording. There's still, you know, 
three, four ish weekends left of Georgia State baseball. So, you know, we could still be looking at a 30 win team. Like it is very possible that they could still get to 30 wins. You know, how likely is it after the last couple of weekends? Maybe not as likely as it was a month ago, but it is still definitely possible. Yeah, and you've got one more this weekend against Troy. They're tied with Georgia State in the standings as they enter this weekend. You know, as we record this podcast, Troy is currently up six to one at the end of the seventh inning. So it's not trending great for Georgia State in the series opener. But after this, you know, Alabama State non-conference game team with similar record to Georgia State, and they're fifteen and three at home, and so certainly not going to be one you can just pencil in as a win, but. That would, would whatever happens in this series in Troy, be nice to get stay on the road, get a win to feel good, and then you finally hit a stretch again that isn't completely brutal in the conference slate because you host App State, who's near the bottom of the standings, and then after playing Mercer in midweek, you go to Arkansas State the weekend of May 13, 14, 15, and they are, I believe the bottom of the conference. I think they have two conference wins right now as we record this podcast, two or three. And so there's your chance to kind of reset the mojo. You still have to go play at home and host Texas State, who may be playing for the regular season title at that point. But you can get in those series, hopefully, and we're definitely getting ahead of ourselves by mentioning that. But there's a chance to reset, feel better, get some wins, stack them like you were doing earlier in the year, when you got up to the top of the Sunbelt Conference standings, and then that'll be where you're going into the conference tournament at, as opposed to right now where it's kind of been an onslaught and you're taking seven of eight losses. But, you know, you know that that is the beauty of the schedule is that it does balance out and that not every stretch is going to be like that. And so if they've got their gumption about them, this would be – after this weekend series would be a good time to kind of flush it, move on, get back to winning ways, feel good heading into the final stretch. Yeah, now is as good a time as any to figure it out because, uh, you know, this there is still some magic yeah, in the bus stop, boys. I absolutely believe in that. Absolutely. And, you know, that doesn't go like there was there's been some good feeling in this team and they've had some of that moxie where they've been pulling out games, late comebacks. And so I definitely don't write off this game that I just said, you know, they're down five right now with two innings to go, but they've definitely won games like that. And I'm also not writing off this weekend as a chance, you know, even if they lose this one, win the final two, win a series, I think just winning a series again, will feel good. (laughs) Winning a conference game again also would probably feel good because they're on a bad stretch of those. But I feel like if they're able to win a tough road series here, that would, really move the timeline up as far as getting back into the flow of things, feeling good again, because, you know, the, the worst thing is even if you start playing better, if you can't get those wins and it still feels like everything's going against you. And so no time, but the present. Exactly. No time, but the present. And of course, last but not least, here's an abbreviated sports bits for this week before we get you out of here. Beach Volleyball will advance to the Conference USA Tournament final on Saturday at noon Central Time in Huntsville, Alabama. The Sandy Panthers downed six-seed Southern Miss and two-seed FIU in a pair of matches Thursday and defeated top-seed and national 10th-ranked Florida Atlantic on Friday afternoon. 
They'll play the winner between Florida Atlantic and FIU, who face off in a morning match Saturday at 9 a.m. Central. Track and field continue their weekend at the UNF Invitational in Jacksonville, Florida, as well as the Torin Lawrence Memorial in Athens, both on Saturday. Softball hosts ULM at the Bob Heck Softball Complex Saturday at 1 p.m. and Sunday at 11 a.m. On Friday, the Panthers won the first game of the series 3-0. Baseball continues their series at Troy Saturday at 4 and Sunday at 2. Tonight's Friday game in progress has since gone final. Panthers dropped the first game of the series by a 10-1 score. Later in the week on Tuesday, the Bustle Up boys travel to Montgomery, Alabama to face Alabama State at 6 p.m. But that is all we've got for you this week. We will catch you in next week's edition of the Thursday Night Podcast. See you later.